Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Alan Leeds, former tour director for James Brown, Prince, and D'Angelo, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Pleased, as always, to be part of this Pantheon podcast network. We are all over the place. Spotify, iTunes, over 40 other podcast platforms. Now, this episode is uh, sort of something I promised a little while ago when I did that Circumstances Rush and Judas Priest in the 1970s, I believe I called it. Um, I was comparing two bands and two careers, and I liked the fact that a story fell out of it uh, in terms of um, what it was like to be a band in the 70s. Um, I promised this one because I found even more similarities between these two careers, uh, and I've paired it back uh, before I get too further. This is episode 37, and we are going to call this Halford and Dickinson, the Doppelheadbangers. Okay, I was going to compare Judas Priest and Iron Maiden's career in the 90s, but I found it a little more um, intriguing just to look at Rob and uh, Bruce, the Metal God and the Air Raid Siren. Um, So many similarities between what these guys uh, get up to. So I thought it would be kind of cool to compare these careers. Obviously, I've had these bands on the brain lately because uh, in, you know, not not too long ago, um, I basically uh, took my old Judas Priest books and some of my old my Iron Maiden writing and uh, made two whole new new Judas Priest books that looked at the early days and the later days and two Iron Maiden books that looked at the early days and the later days. The Priest book went up till now, but the but the Maiden book ended in the 90s because I want to spend a lot of time on Bruce Dickinson's career. That book uh, called Holy Smoke, Iron Maiden in the 90s, uh, has so much Bruce in it because there is so much uh, Bruce that we actually do get in the 90s. So before we get ahead of ourselves, um, let's go back to the year 1990 with both of these bands and uh, and look at what happened there. Um, and let's uh, let's actually start off with a little bit of music. 
just to confuse everybody. Um, and then we shall discuss. So this is Bruce Dickinson off of Tattooed Millionaire. Uh, this was a pretty big song off of that record called Born in 58. Take a listen. All right, so kicking off this episode, episode 37 of History and Five Songs with Martin Popov, Halford and Dickinson, the Doppel Headbangers, um, we heard Bruce in somewhat of a hair metal mode. I mean, it is a little bit rootsy and rock and rolly, this record, Tattoo Millionaire, but it is somewhat of a hair metal record. So what is happening in Bruce's mind at this point? Okay, so Maiden Maiden is kind of on the wane. I think this is the big theme of this show. Um Bruce kind of realizes that Iron Maiden is just retreading the same ground over and over again. Frankly, I mean, they essentially in, invented a sound after five very different albums. Peace of Mind into uh, Power Slave is essentially the same sound, and they've never really changed since. Um so Bruce is starting to realize this. You know, um, there were some disputes over the recording of No Prayer for the Dying, uh, the 1990 record. Um, you know, Bruce is going to be around for another album before he goes solo, Fear of the Dark 92. But it just kind of, um, you know, uh, shows him that everything that he kind of worried about with Iron Maiden uh, was coming true, that they were kind of just treading water and making the same record over again and not always uh, improving on what they were doing. So what does Bruce do? I mean, every lead singer, you know, there is always the idea. I mean, I don't fault them for this, but there's always the idea that you could be a big solo artist because you are bringing a lot with you when you are the front man and lead singer and and lyricist. I mean, Bruce is a co-lyricist. But you know, you do think that you can have a career. And so, you know, the the big music going on around the time was hair metal and it was doing well. And and Bruce, you know, it, he probably looked at this and said, let's do something a little more real, a little less fantasy Dungeons and Dragons here. Uh, let's see if I can participate in the world more because Bruce is an intellectually curious guy. So he goes and makes this record. It doesn't, doesn't do that great. People don't hate it. People don't love it. It's a little rushed. The production is a little humorless, um, but essentially he's on his way with this solo career, but he has not left the band. That's a big difference. Okay, so over in Judas Priest world, Priest kind of was treading water a little bit as well, but they were making a different record every time, but they came back with this record that was pretty well received. It did go gold, Painkiller. It's now considered somewhat of a of a classic, a Priest classic. It's very heavy. It's well produced. Uh, Chris Tangerides actually. Uh, there's, there's a crossover there with that and the Tattooed Millionaire album. Um, but essentially... Um, you know, they they make this record that uh, that is well received. It's super heavy, but again, there are problems in the camp. There are um, there are egos back and forth. But Rob isn't really part of this. I think the biggest problem in the band really was uh, was between KK and Glenn. Um, but yeah, there's this weird thing that happens. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, you know, Rob has this uh, this this like peak of frustration when uh, when in Toronto on the Operation Rock and Roll. 
there's a mishap with the bike and he rides out and his head hits the thing because the door wasn't up all the way and and basically they go through this lousy gig he faxes them he never talks to them again for a long long time but essentially uh, you know in a peak of frustration with everything the way things are going Rob is out of the band but the main story here is again it's a it's a similar thing where Rob is uh, is like Bruce he is more attuned to what's going on in the musical world and there is this apocryphal moment uh, you know said also to happen in Toronto where you know Rob sees Pantera live at Rock and Roll Heaven a small venue that is now gone uh, and sees the light that that heavy metal can be much more than it has been this traditional heavy metal that Priest has been playing he you know he's kind of looking in the back of his mind says I want to move forward you know I I, I have a thirst for a a new kind of metal out there, uh, just like Bruce does. Bruce is looking around saying, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of, this is stale. And Rob is feeling the same way. Now, another thing that I think is going on in Rob's mind is this whole idea of being a gay man in heavy metal. You know, it, you know, the mechanics of being gay isn't the main part here. It's, it's the, the, the thing that he is, is an outsider. He feels different. He runs in some different crowds than the priest guys. So there is some friction there uh, between their personalities in the band. But I, again, I maintain, I, you know, even though the fallout of Rob leaving the band is, is worse, worse than uh, Bruce leaving Maiden, uh, I, the main problems in that band are really between KK and Glenn. And I think Rob is kind of a, a little bit in the minute, uh, in the middle of it. Okay. So, Moving on. Um, well, actually, let's uh, let's move into our uh, let's move into our Rob selection, our first Rob selection. Uh, take a listen to this, and we shall discuss. This is "Fight with Immortal Sin." Okay, so what happens is this Pantera-esque vibe, you know, when Rob makes his first volley into the world of solodom, he he has this band called Fight. You know, everybody, the short narrative on it is Fight is a, is a Pantera-esque band. I think what's going on a lot with Fight, bear in mind we are in 1993 here, is that it's a little bit Pantera-esque, but it's also a little bit doomy. It's a little bit Ozzy Osbourne doomy as well, which is uh, in, in, um, infused by the spirit of grunge, the doomier sides of grunge with Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Um, so I think you're getting a little bit of that in this band fight. It's a bunch of young guys. So Rob is being young and vital. You know, he's dressing younger. He's looking younger. And there's... Um, there is this kind of immediate slappy Pantera-esque recording to it. And then he follows up with an album called A Small Deadly Space in 95, which I think is a better album. Most people think the first album is the better album, more of words, certainly got more waves, um, you know, more more um, publicity. Um, but again, it's even, it's even doomier and grungier, I suppose. But it's still very clearly heavy metal, and he can hold his head high with what's going on. Um, but uh, 
actually, okay, let's uh, let's take a little break at this point, and uh, and we'll be back, and we'll discuss what happens as we move into the mid '90s. All right, so. Back again, um, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, Halford and Dickinson, The Doppel Headbangers, episode 37. So we are looking at the similarities between uh, these two guys. And what I, what I want uh, uh, to discuss representing the middle of what's going on here. Okay, so and another funny thing that falls out of this whole discussion um, you can look at the timelines. Hopefully, I'll mention the years as we go along here. But everything happens slower in Priest World than it happens in Maiden uh, World. And, and you're going to notice that with this. There's, there's more output. There's more output from Bruce than there is of Rob. But Rob eventually gets going. Um, both of them put out, uh, both Iron Maiden and Judas Priest put out Two albums. These are where these similarities are amazing. So, so they both put out two studio albums. Both of them not that well um, received by the fans and the critics. So, two studio albums with different uh, different um, vocalists. Iron Maiden has Blaze Bailey for the X Factor in '95. Blaze Bailey for Virtual Eleven in '98. And Judas Priest has Ripper Owens for Jugulator in 97. But as everything happens slower in Priestland, it's another four years until Demolition, the second album with Ripper Owens. Um, And then later, um, what happens is these guys come back. We'll get to that. Um, But uh, so, yeah, so to represent what's happening in the middle of this whole thing, let's take a listen to this first of all. This is two with My Ceilings Low. Okay, so what Rob does is fight doesn't really work out, and he again shows uh, shows his thirst for uh, staying current uh, as Bruce does. Does it in a different way though? The two album is an industrial metal album. He has this uh, thing going on with uh, with Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, and he decides that I want to try these uh, these electronic beats a little bit more keyboardy. You get the uh, you know the vocal treatments and stuff like that, and you get you get kind of a more angsty lyrical thing so here is rob trying to stay really really current again he's got the eyeliner on he gets completely lambasted for trying this direction um you know he's he's seen as being just too trendy uh and trying to stay um you know too vital vital on the cusp of what's happening in heavy music don't forget this is a time when heavy metal is uh, is really done or, or really uh, really sort of down in the um in the in the profile of uh, of how cool uh, is it sort of thing so what does bruce do during this time same sort of thing bruce has uh, bruce is out there and uh, and same thing in terms of a a thirst for staying current a thirst for uh you know uh, looking for things to do so he has balls to picasso come out in 94 very strange record it kind of has this mix of this roy z and roy z band latiny thing going on a lot of percussion a lot of atmospheric and open spaces so it's a little bit grungy perhaps it's got this very simple album cover and then he does 
Skunk Works in 96, which I think is, is, a, is an unheralded masterpiece of Bruce's catalog. Um, Jack and Dino produces, buddy of mine, um, essentially um, really, really cool album, a little bit grungy, but grunge mixed with stadium rock in a cool way. Grunge mixed with traditional heavy metal in a, in a cool way. It's a really neat album, and he gets lambasted for that as well, uh, just as Balls to Picasso isn't well-received. But Balls to Picasso, it's interesting. It was somewhat well-received because everybody thought Tattooed Millionaire was just kind of a, like a silly phoned-in hair metal album, a little bit too jokey. So he was taken seriously with Balls to Picasso. Um, but then by Skunk Works, it seemed like you know, the patience was growing thin with Bruce trying to stay current in his own way. So Bruce, the short narrative was grunge. Rob, the short narrative was industrial metal. Um, and, uh, and, and both were, you know, big, big trouble at this point. I mean, basically, um, their careers were going nowhere and, uh, and Iron Maiden's and Judas Priest's careers were fantastically going nowhere as well. They were, they were knocked down to theaters and large clubs. Um, nobody liked, uh, you know, essentially the X factor didn't go over well. Um, virtual 11 didn't go over well. Um, and uh, and um, Jugulator in 97 has not gone over well. Uh, Iron Maiden are kind of just doing what they've always done, but they have this new lead singer. Judas Priest are kind of doing an update on Ram It Down and Painkiller uh, with this new lead singer. Um, so so they're trying to be kind of kind of heavier, um, maybe a little more machine head. Maybe they're now having their latent, oh, let's try to be like Pantera moment, kind of strange. Um, but there you go. Okay, so let's move on. Let's get up into the later 90s uh, with this comparison. Take a listen to this. This is Bruce Dickinson with The Tower. <laughs> So what happens? What happens to both of these guys? The same thing happens to both of these guys. Bruce sees the light. He he decides that I'm heavy metal. My fans are heavy metal. Let's have a big heavy metal fest. He comes up with this masterpiece of a concept album based on William Blake and Alchemy called uh, The Chemical Wedding. The whole thing is just greatly recorded, super efficient songs, heavy, still vital, uh, still a little bit of his doomy grunge thing. That's the other similarity, really, between Rob and uh, and Bruce. And like I say, even with Ozzy Osbourne, all three of these guys have this kind of uh, doomy, slow, grungy, scary metal music um, feeling to to a lot of the riffs that they like and they want to they want to have on their records uh, it, it's a theme it's a theme throughout but this is a really cool album you know he gets to the action fast things happen um, it's just it it sounds and and at this point you know 1998 the direct comparison with virtual 11 all the fans all the critics were just and me included were just just quietly going man bruce is kicking maiden's ass with this with this amazing amazing band but you know again this just this this in ingrain ingrown uh thing uh that 
that uh, these careers can't get off the ground. It's injustice at this point that Bruce's career can't get off the ground. He should have been he should have been a big star like Ozzy Osbourne at this point, making music this good. Um, you know, Skunk Works was great, but it but it was a little bit you know. It's so far, this is his fourth different album in a row. But at this point, you know, if there was justice, Bruce would have done great. But we are now truly in the n- nadir of the heavy metal years and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, like I say, unjustly, um, chemical wedding, you know, Bruce can go to his, I've always said this. And I said this in the book, Holy Smoke. Um, I all, I've always said this from the beginning. I think Bruce quietly, when he's lying on his deathbed, he will realize that the greatest music he ever made, the greatest contribution to the arts he ever made will be his solo albums. Um, this one, uh, including Accident of Birth, including Tyranny of Souls, including Skunk Works. Um, you know, the biggest impact he's had culturally will be the likes of uh, Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind and Power Slave. But I think he knows, and uh, and uh, he probably takes a lot of solace in the victory of this, that the greatest art that he ever put on this planet was more or less down to him as a solo artist and his band. So that's really cool. Uh, and Chemical Wedding absolutely is a great album. So, um, well, let's let's move on and uh, and this, let's go to our fifth track. I guess the the discussion part. We'll be talking a fair bit more about this. But again, the similarity here uh, is that everything happens slower in Priest World, but. There is a great similarity because uh, of what you're going to hear in this fifth track. So let's take a listen. Um, this is our fifth and last track, episode 37, Halford and Dickinson, the Doppelheadbangers. This is Halford with Made in Hell. The only place of concrete towers and steel, the coal mines and the industries were all I had to feel. Something inside took hold of me, I really didn't know, but all the time. Okay, so exactly the same thing happens with Rob Halford. He sees the light. He realizes, I'm metal. My fans are metal. This is what I was put on this planet to do. You know, in a sense, it's a little bit of throwing in the towel with both of these guys. Um, But I think both of them realize that they can make really cool art in this thing that they were made to do. So Halford comes back with his third band concept. He had Fight, he had two, and now he has a band called Halford. And goes back to absolutely traditional, safe heavy metal. And the Resurrection album comes out in the year 2000. And all the fans love it. He makes a little bit of a stir with this. Um, You know, things are going well with this, uh, you know, Sanctuary metal is, um, you know, Sanctuary is, is, and Rod Smallwood. I mean, they're making a lot of, a lot of moves. They're, they're shaking things up, uh, Entombed, Queensryche, CMC is around. So essentially, um, you know, heavy metal has got a little bit of, uh, of new excitement to it uh, in the year 2000. And, uh, and Halford puts out an album that everybody kind of goes, everybody loves it, um, but everybody is thinking it's a little bit safe. But they, but also everybody is saying this is the record Judas Priest 
should be making, uh, or and, and in the same way that that uh, that Bruce is making great quality heavy metal, N- not necessarily um, with Bruce, where people saying this is the record Iron Maiden should be making, but Halford's record is very similar to classic excellent priest of say an updated version of uh, of the likes of defenders of the faith or uh, or maybe even a little bit of the 70s stuff but but certainly maybe british steel defenders of the faith the heavy stuff on screaming so you're getting a little bit of that yeah a painkiller as well you're getting a little bit of that in the in the halford uh in the halford window here um okay so what's happening in in um iron maiden world in the year 2000 well in in Iron Maiden world, like I say, everything happens a little faster in Iron Maiden world. Uh, this might this might reflect a little bit of the um, the cautiousness of the um, of the management uh, situation with Jane and uh, and Bill Kerbishley versus uh, you know the running a little faster, a little more energetic management experience with Rod Smallwood being literally like the fifth or the sixth or seventh. What is it at this point? You know, it's 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 different depending on what part what uh, part of uh, Maiden we're talking about here. But but essentially, Rod Smallwood is one of the boys, and things uh, move a lot quicker in Maiden world. So we get the first reunion album with Bruce Dickinson. We get uh, we get Brave New World. Um, people love the idea at the time. It makes huge waves out there. It's a creditable album. It's good. But I think in retrospect, people have looked back on it after a few years and says, ah, it wasn't as good as we all kind of thought it was uh, at the time. Uh, and then to finish off, um, what happens in, in um, Priest World, like I say, things take longer. It's fully another five years before they do the obvious and they reform. Um, Priest comes back with Angel of Retribution in 2005. Exact same story. Big, big story in the metal world. People love the album when it first comes out, but then people are a little bit, eh, I guess it wasn't as great as we thought it was. I mean, which one is the more creative album? I think Angel of Retribution is a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit more, like like it, they did not, Brave New World is a continuation of everything they've been doing, and they've continued along that line since. It might be, well, it's not even more proggy, I don't think, than the others. It's literally quite like Virtual Eleven and the X Factor, um, with but with Bruce singing and better production. Um but Angel of Retribution is not uh, remotely like Demolition, Demolition or Jugulator or Rob's album, Resurrection. Um, so there you go. Uh, I think we can, we can close off there. I mean, I, I, well, one other thing I wanted to mention, a big difference at the time, is that um, Ripper Owens was around um, a lot longer uh, than, than was Blaze. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, Maiden hired a lead singer that looked a little bit like Bruce. He could sing like Bruce, but his voice was not like Bruce. Uh, Priest hired somebody from a Judas Priest tribute band who kind of, you know, more so in the wardrobe, adopted the look of Rob. He could sing a little bit like Rob. His voice was a little closer to Rob. But anyways, they I think there was a little bit more stick to And again, this is maybe the caution in the priest camp and uh, and the management camp. They stuck to Ripper longer than um 
then Maiden stuck to Blaze, uh, and and they stuck to Ripper long enough to put out a double live album. They put out Live in London. Uh, it, it would have been pretty cool to have gotten a live album with Blaze, wouldn't it? Um, but no, we didn't get that. Um, but we did get a live album with Priest. Uh, as time goes on, you know, it doesn't really matter to compare the careers too much because um, Bruce essentially only makes one more solo album and that's it. I, again, a fine album in Tyranny of Souls. But but the the Priest camp is kind of curious because Rob keeps keeps doing all sorts of, like he almost gets more indie um, but keeps, uh, keeps the Halford thing going and there's some fight rarity stuff that comes out and Halford makes two Christmas albums. Um, so it, it's, it's really weird. He almost has this parallel um definitely smaller career um you know maiden maiden gives us uh i i suppose more output and you know their their career track trajectories are are quite different i mean maiden just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and sells more and more tickets and always plays big places and priest kind of stays about the same size as they as they got to once they did the reunion i mean they've they've risen a little bit in the ranks uh over all this stuff but but maiden is clearly um you know the bigger the bigger band uh, doing more business uh, through the 2000s than uh, than Judas Priest is. Okay, so let's wrap up there. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, lots of uh, like I say, lots and lots of comparisons between these bands. But I think the 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 really uh, complimentary thing we can say about Bruce and uh, and Rob is that. They, they had this uh, intellectual curiosity for what was happening in the heavy metal world, and they both went and tried a bunch of different things, and they both realized the writing was on the wall. Their old bands were getting stale. Um, so they, they gave us a, a lot to talk about, put it that way, uh, in the 90s. Okay, let's wrap up. That was episode 37. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page for this. It's pretty hopping over there. And uh, and uh, comment on this, debate, give me some suggestions. Uh, you can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. You can go to martinpopoff.com and see um, all my books that I have for sale there. I think I probably have a good... 40 of my 85 or so books are uh, are still uh, in print. Uh, the latest, uh, you know, very related to this, like I say, there are two different priest books and two different uh, maiden books. And of course, the very latest uh, is that uh, is that Merciful Fate book I had, which I'm which I'm pretty much out of here. It's about to go out of print. But anyways, uh, let's wrap up there. Thanks again for listening. We shall see you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 